Welcome back to the Deeper Dive podcast produced locally in the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. Here at Sacred Heart Roman Catholic Church in the Plate of Maryland, my name is Bill Winnell. As always, joined by Monsignor Charles Pope. Good afternoon, Monsignor. Good afternoon. And Father Larry Swink, Father. Hey, well, what's going on? Today, we're going to kind of continue our way uh, post-Beatitude uh, series, and we're going to cover today's section of teaching about the law from Matthew 5. And we'll begin with me reading uh, chapter 17 to 20. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so um, what we have today is this fulfillment of the law. And uh, I'm going to hand this over to Monsignor, but a little inter- introduction here. You know, a lot of times <clears throat> I think we hear things uh, from well-intended Christians where they say, you know, uh, when Jesus, Jesus doesn't care about, you know, commandments and all these like little rules. He's all about mercy. He's all about just love. But our Lord sets us straight and he says, I haven't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so in other words, that God is actually giving us something to go beyond the law not just abolish it and just say, well, just do what you want to do. He came to fulfill that. And uh, the, the key word here, I believe, is fulfill. And we're going to really dive into this. What does it mean that Jesus came to fulfill the law and not abolish it? So, uh, Monsignor, maybe some Greek or some uh, other languages <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> might be helpful. Yeah. But, but what, what does right. it mean that that you know jesus came to fulfill the law now and obviously we're talking about grace which mm-hmm. is not just something we say before meals but the the word and i've been really preaching this these last couple of days is uh we as catholics have forgotten the point of jesus becoming one of us which is to make us a new man and right. to enable us to do what we thought was impossible which is i would say to live the commandments so I'm going to hand it off to you for a little bit and you're going to go at it. And then we'll discuss this particular thing and how uh, this is maybe disputed with modern theology. And, uh, but to it's this, this uh, podcast should give people hope. I think that, uh, and give us higher expectations. So go for it. Yeah. Well, there's two key words, I think, you know, abolish, which is at least the way it's translated here, abolish and then fulfill. Right. I think those are the two key words to sort of get to the heart of it. So, kataluo uh, uh, is the Greek word that being, is being translated here, abolish. But basically from, you know, kata meaning like according to, and luo would be like um, to loose or dissolve, maybe release, right? So, so in other words, he's saying, I'm not coming to take away or loose or dissolve or um, re- re- relieve or release one from the law, right? Right. Um, okay, so we know that we already, though, have some questions in our mind 
about that. But let's just look at the other Greek word for a minute, too. Uh, it says here that uh, he says, I've come to uh, fulfill, which again is the, it's a good translation, I think, of the of the Greek word there, um, which is plerosai, uh, 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 you know, to, to, sometimes we, you might have the word of pleroma. Some people know about that from, you know, like, for example, when they look at the stars and all, but pleroma means to fill something full, to make it complete. So, um, then with all that in mind, let's let's take a look at at uh, these these words now. To, you know, to see pleroma or pleru, which is a root word, um, to fill up to capacity or to fill something full, means in a way to take a, a, a law and not just meet its its minimal requirements, but to fill it full. What are all the implications of this law? Mm. Um, so, for example, uh, and Jesus takes up, by the way, some examples that we'll start looking at in the next session, the so-called antitheses, where he gives examples of what he means to fill something full. So, for example, he'll say, um, do you think, uh, you know, you've heard the commandment not to murder, um, but I say to you, whoever grows angry with his brother, you know, and the type of anger he's describing that we'll see isn't just any anger, but it's vengeful, hateful destructive anger okay so in other words it's not enough to say well i didn't murder anybody i can i think hopefully most of our listeners can check the box that they've gotten through the day so far without murdering somebody okay but the, the point is that that hateful vengeful kind of, of hatred that, that can grow in people's hearts that's going deeper that's filling the commandment full or another quick example on a get back to uh, the, our text, but where he says that you've heard the commandment not to commit adultery, but I say to you, whoever looks at a woman with lust has already, you know, basically broken this commandment. So in other words, one could say, well, I didn't, uh, I did not have sexual relations with that woman, you know, or something like, you know, we heard somebody say once upon a time, <laughs> but you know, right. but I you wanted be to, very, right. Yeah. Very highly technical. Right. But at the end of the day, um, the point is that the Lord is calling us to something even deeper, yeah. which is not only not to do impure acts, but to even fantasize right. about that. And that, uh, so to fill it full means that my, not just that I, I'm not acting in certain ways, like, you know, a person can be chased because, well, they're shy or they're, pardon the expression, but nobody's interested in them. Sorry, I hate to put it that way, but I mean, you know, they're not real handsome or pretty or whatever. Uh, like, for example, me, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I used to be young, tan and trim, and now I'm old, white and fat. So, but anyway, the point being is that, um, but th what the Lord's really saying is that the, at the heart of this commandment is that you have a pure mind. Right. You know, uh, uh, in terms of sexuality, you know, that your heart and your mind be free of this, you know, this this sort of lustful thinking, you see. So, so that's what it means to fill the commandment full, not to commit adultery. Right. So By the way, I'll just tell you this. When I was a kid, a teenager, I would say, well, I can't break the sixth commandment because um, I'm not married. And not only am I not married, but I would never be with a married woman because they're all old. <laughs> and uh, that's me the teenager talking by the way teenagers you know this they don't need to go to law school they're already lawyers they parse every word every oh, syllable I, I had a conversation uh we've had many conversations with younger people and you know they'll say things like well you know and then they they play the litigation um 
game with you and say things oh. like, especially with the whole thing and now the the battle of the of now, which you get yeah. the the whole same sex um, uh, mm-hmm. marriage thing, same sex attraction thing, and says, so, well, where in the Bible did Jesus explicitly say that yeah. um, that two men or two women can't love each other because love is love and like whoa just because jesus didn't explicitly condemn homosexuality he did say you have everyone has to live chastely and that this this law will be fulfilled if you open your hearts and minds uh to the grace that god wants to give you right and i i I love uh, monsignor i know we've had talks about this and i i learned this from you years ago where you you kind of use this um, uh, sort of you know you 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 taken and broken down how the human person thinks and and adults mm-hmm. do this too, and whereby it's the questions we always get is where's you know where's the the boundary between sin and and not sin or how far can I go before it becomes a sin, yeah. and and mm-hmm. it, and that's looking at it from a, a legalistic and I would say a moralistic standpoint and uh or like you know uh, a couple oh let's go back to your anger thing where Mm -hmm. the anger um the uh you know someone can say well you know like you're saying i i you know i i i've forgiven my 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 uh you know my brother for what he did or or my friend for doing but i don't want to be in the same room with them um there's something Mm -hmm. missing there's something not being fulfilled in that person correct Yeah, and, and uh, let's, really, let's, let's take let's take cool. yeah. let's take let's take mass for example. The modern mm-hmm. person, their approach to mass, um, mm. like uh, holy days of obligation, right? Uh, yeah, you know the question is, well, um, is uh, you know is this um, holy day of obligation? Do I have to go to mass, or can I sit this mm-hmm. one out? What's lacking in that statement? <laughs> Yeah, a wholehearted love for going to mass and wanting to do what pleases God. Um, you, know, you know, love doesn't say what's the least I can do. It's a love asks, what more can I do? Law says, what's the least I can do just to meet the requirement and not get fined? So can I go ten miles over the speed limit? But if I go eleven miles, you know. So you see what I'm saying? This is a kind of a. These are what we would call legalistic mindsets. So getting back though, I think just to the idea, just to maybe put the foundations in place, you know, to fill something full means to be, to fill, to understand all of its implications and to wholeheartedly embrace. And so Jesus will give these examples. I gave just two of them, but there's others as well. You've heard that it was said, but I say to you now to fill something full again, again, means to take all of its implications. It is like getting to your mass example. What's the latest I can be at mass and not say that I missed mass. People used to ask that all the time. If I get there by the homily and my, if I fulfill my obligation, you know, can I leave like before the final prayer? You know, all right. Stop there for the, a second. Stop there for a second. So you probably know the answer to this. What is the mm-hmm. actual? I mean, just for I, I've gotten that question a gazillion times. What is the? Um, what I've heard from canon law is that just just for listeners' sake, that if you go to mass, you go to mass no matter what. If you showed up yeah. incidentally a little bit late, you went to mass. Mm-hmm. But if you're asking the question so that you can like, you know, do what you want until that minimal required, I don't think that whole gospel thing was made up. That's not even a canon law, right? That was some right, yeah. made up by some pastor. Yeah, right. It was just 
made up. It wasn't. It was never part of church law. And um, it's like the Pharisees. Again, and but again, and the bottom line is that Father, I think the main point we're getting at here is that love doesn't ask those questions. So if a guy goes to his girlfriend and says, your birthday's coming up and I have to buy you a gift. So what's the cheapest gift I can buy you and not, you know, lose your favor? Because, you know, I don't want to have to go all out for this. And that's not the way love talks. He's probably not going to be dating her much longer. And he might just now have just gotten slapped with the back of her hand. And all I can say is that um, love doesn't say what's the least I can do. Love says, what's the, what more can I do? But the way Catholics talk, do we have to go to Mass? How often on Holy Day? Do I, do I have to go to confession? Like, how often? It doesn't, that's not a lover talking. That's someone who's, you know, a law, a legal, a legal expert. So, again, um, I think that what we want to say is that a wholehearted love of God's law says, what are all the implications of this commandment that I shouldn't kill or I shouldn't commit adultery or what have you? Um, what what are some of these things? How do I fill it full? Which is what pleru or, uh, you know, the, the, the Greek word that's used here in this, you know, it's technically in its, uh, in this context is plerosi, but, but again, you know, pleru means just fill it full. Now also though, we need to go back though, lest we, leave a question unanswered. Do not think that I have come uh, to abolish. Hmm? Uh, I have not. Don't think that I've come to abolish the law. Now, in a way, well, wait a minute. Yesterday's gospel, was it? He rendered all foods clean. Oh, there go all the Jewish kosher laws right out the window. Or, um, you know, some of the Sabbath observances that the Lord, you know, and, you know, they were all fuss budgety about, you know, um, uh, again, uh, these things seems to have been sort of largely set aside by Jesus. And so in other words, and then if you look at the, if you take go further into the new Testament, the acts of the apostles, there was a lot of stuff that would no longer be required of Gentile converts. So it does sound like the law is either being abolished or abrogated. And so what does Jesus mean when he says, I haven't come, not even one jot, not even one little iota, it literally is the Greek word here, not one little letter I or dotted I or little apostrophe will, will, be, will be in any way changed until everything's been fulfilled. Um, and uh, we'll have to look at that, you know, uh, that, that aspect in a moment. But, so there, but there were some things. So we usually distinguish... When we look at the Jewish law between three basic types of law, uh, namely there is the moral law, okay, which God gives and does not change, but there's also what we might call customary slash liturgical laws, and then there there would be again, like I say, um, um, well, let's say custom, you know, customary uh, laws, and and then liturgical laws. Those can and did change, but the moral law can't. And I think a lot of scholars think that when Jesus says not even one small little iota or one small little apostrophe, the law will pass away. Uh, I have not come to abolish that law. Well, what law is that? Well, that's clearly the moral law. But clearly, a lot of the liturgical and 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 um, uh, customary uh, norms were, were set aside. So okay? let, let's stop there for a moment. <clears throat> From my biblical background which is not as extensive as yours but from i remember like the jewish people had to abide by 613 laws there's a very 
detailed list of laws that a, a righteous man would would try. Let's I say try to fulfill, um, mm-hmm. and it was very meticulous. And even mm-hmm. today, um, in Orthodox Jews, I, you know, on sa- on the Sabbath, uh, they they can't. It's kind of funny how they approach things. Is they they will they're um, they won't go up like they can go in an elevator, but they just can't touch the buttons, you know, yeah. because that would be considered work. And it's it's kind of like well, touching a button is less work than walking upstairs. It seems like <laughs> like you know like especially when you get older, like you know you kind of have to go up the elevator and. You would think that resting would actually mean taking the mm-hmm. elevator and taking easier in your joints, but what was the purpose of that law, and where did it come from? Well, you know the, the, those Sabbath regulations. The idea of remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy is a commandment. Right now, question is whether I can walk 100 paces or 200 paces from my house is not spelled out in God's commandments. It was, an, it was a normal, it was kind of a human interpretation. And that's why Jesus says to the, a lot of these fuss budgets about the um, Sabbath rules, he says, come on, guys. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Mm. So he was always, uh, there was an awful lot of things that, that just came down to human traditions and customs. And they, they, we tend to dogmatize our point of view. I don't know if you've noticed that. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I've seen this before, you know, right. Uh, well, some, yeah, but, but anyway, the point being is that, for example, like you pointed out, even today, there's, there's, there's this really bizarre thing. If you go to Israel, and I've been to Israel four times on the Sabbath, there are these strange things. For some reason, pushing a button, which is the equivalent of lighting a fire, is forbidden, but turning a doorknob isn't. Um, there's all these Shabbat clocks uh, in, in in the hotel rooms, which will turn lights off and on or TVs off and on because you can't flip the switch, but you want to be able to have the TV come on or off. It's just kind of, at some point, it's silly. Now, I don't want to blame the Jewish people um, for because we Catholics have our little odds and ends, and even so do some of the Protestants. Where in the Bible does it say you can't smoke cigarettes? Protestants are some of them were really uptight about that kind of stuff. It was the right. next thing to being a devil, right. and you know, and and where where you can't drink, you know. So there are times where we all get into these little human notions, right. and we 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 dogmatize them, even though they're not. They're they're human traditions, or maybe human commentary or human attempts to fulfill the law. But but they're just they're just human. They're not exactly what God said. So. Somewhere along the line, these things all crept in and were all considered part of the law. But a good theologian will distinguish between the moral law that clearly comes from God in his scriptures and other human customary observances of that law. You can go only 100 paces, a Sabbath day's journey, they call it, uh, 100 paces from your household Um and uh, you can't walk any further, and th- those kinds of things. But that's a spelling out of the law that is not of per se of God. It's it's just a human way. Of, this is what we way we will choose to observe it. So, well, what if I need to walk two hundred paces? Sorry, can't do it. You'll go to hell. Well, but did God say that or did man say that? So that's where we come into these customary laws versus you know the moral law. And also there were liturgical laws, you know, that certain animals had to be killed, certain feast days had to be observed. 
and these kinds of things. And those changed as well. So I just want to say that we do have to make a distinction here. What law is Jesus talking about, right? Certainly he's talking about the moral law. Now, how do I know that? Well, the antitheses that he will talk about later all try to show how the moral law is still in place, but we have to see it in all of its fullness, fill it full. So I, I hope that uh, that makes some sense. We kind of jumped around here. But again, the law, the Lord is saying here, what fulfilling are you do? What, what I'm calling you not just to fulfill the law in terms of a bare minimum, but, uh, but I'm asking you to fill it full. I love God. I love my neighbor. Lovers don't say what's the least I can do. Lovers say what more can I do? If you love God and you love your neighbor, act like a lover who says, hey, I'm enthusiastic about this. I'm not to kill, but I know there's more than that. I, I, I've never killed anybody. Most people never kill anybody. So, I mean, is there more to this command? Yes, there is. You know, love, respect for other human lives, the sacredness of human life, a sense of real love, even for one's enemies, is, is all implied by it. And an enthusiastic lover of God and lover of humanity will want to fill it full. That's what lovers do. Right. So that, that also sort of requires us to think about and ponder what exactly is love? You know, what does it mean to love? And I, I what I'm sort of getting from you and thinking about this is, would it be true to say that the Ten Commandments are really the minimal requirement of the law and, in essence, that we're called to go beyond the commandments, the Ten Commandments? I'm not entirely sure that I'm comfortable saying that the Ten Commandments are the minimal. Right. There are other laws of God that aren't in the Ten Commandments, um, and that uh, they would fold back into them somehow. But um, I think that what, I, what I'd be more comfortable saying is that um, there are definite moral decrees of the Lord, um, which some of which are contained in the Ten Commandments, but are spelled out more specifically later. Right. So, for example, what do we mean by acts of adultery, what we call the Sixth Commandment? Well, it wouldn't just be adultery. Um, it would be fornication. It would be looking at pornography. It would be masturbation. Uh, it would be fornication, adultery. It would be homosexual acts. It would be the whole plethora of human we might call illicit sexual practices. And um, those things are spelled out elsewhere in the scriptures, but they're not in the 10 commandments. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? I'm a little uncomfortable right. just saying the 10 commandments are the bare minimum. Um, so because there's other things that are in the minimum too, that aren't in the 10 commandments explicitly, but are spelled out later. All right. So let me take another stab at this. Um, would it be, correct to say other than jesus and our lady and maybe saint joseph and maybe saint john the baptist maybe maybe some other prophets out there i'd probably not take the prophets out that most people have never fulfilled the law entirely because of human weakness but god is saying with his mm -hmm. grace and only with his grace now it is possible Yes, that's right. I think one of the things we want to go back to our general um, premise about the Sermon on the Mount, which is the Lord is not saying, here's a bunch of new rules for you to follow. Right. But rather, this is, I'm describing or painting a picture of, of, for you of the transformed human person who really loves God, loves God's law, and loves God's people, and doesn't ask dumb questions like, well, what's the least I can do? They ask questions, well, how can I fulfill all the implications of this? And 
So it's, it's, it's painting a picture of the transformed human person, what a person becomes increasingly like as the Lord lives his life in us through his grace and his Holy Spirit. And therefore, yes, this is attainable and possible. And I, I don't know that all of us, even most of us, get there fully. Maybe that's one of the reasons we still have purgatory. But I do know that um, great progress can and should be made by anybody who is living this life um, who will naturally want to do more rather than less out of love. That's what love does. Love is expansive. It's joyful. It wants to please the beloved. It, it's, it's. Yeah. It, it, uh, and this, and this grace has infused us in baptism and yeah. it's supposed to grow, you know, through the other sacraments um, mm -hmm. and so forth. I remember, uh, God rest his soul, um, father Arnie Panula, and yeah. he was at some, some sort of, um, biblical uh discussion with different like judeo-christian pastors and rabbis and there was one really um very edifying jewish rabbi who was just very much into you know what god says in his word and he he agreed with everything that the catholic church teaches except for celibacy and he turned to father uh arnie and he says well, you know you're celibate priest it, that doesn't seem like god's will that you would be alone because the bible uh says that uh, a man shall not be alone and he said this is kind of impossible like why would god command you men to be celibate and then his <coughs> father arnie's annual uh annual's response which it struck me he said Yes, Rabbi, that is totally true. And he said, without the Eucharist, that would be impossible. But because of mm. the Eucharist, mm. we can do this. And mm. it's just, we can be like Christ in this manner yeah. that is somewhat unnatural in the modern uh, sense mm -hmm. of the word. But this is, you're looking at it out of, um, before Christ, this would have been impossible and it would never have been imposed. And it's not imposed, um, a man and a woman who goes to religious life or becomes um, a priest in the Western church. Um, it's not like, Oh, I have to do this. It's just, I want to do this because I want to be Christ and I want to be more in love with God with an undivided heart. But he mm -hmm. made the point is that, yeah, you're right. This is impossible for man. And he kind of stunned the rabbi and he said, well, explain the Eucharist oh, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, wait, what's the Eucharist? And then it just led to another sort of perspective mm -hmm. is that maybe we're missing something here and um you know the last yeah. couple of days in, in our mission here you know we've had some witness talks about and both of the witness talks that were phenomenal with people that have really um heavy 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 crosses and had some heavy heavy battles to fulfill the laws in their vocation and dealing with heavy crosses that were you know very difficult to overcome both said if it wasn't for the Eucharist and the graces I get from the sacraments, I wouldn't mm. be here today. You know, right. and I think there's there's sort of a a link here to Jesus coming to give us a whole new perspective of life, which is the mm. new man, the right. new man in Christ. Right, like you were saying, is that, and I like how you say this because I didn't think of it this way until, uh, believe it or not, I used, you gave me um, back then it was cassettes of your Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> uh, series. Oh. Remember <laughs> that you used to have those, you had like boxes of them. And I, I would sit there upstairs and listen to these. And, um, 
I was like, wow. I was like, I didn't, th- I thought that this was bad news. Like the, you know, reading Matthew chapter five and six and seven, you're like, wow, this is, this is some hard stuff here. And uh, I think no one's going to be able to pull this off. And, and this is where we get the statement that we hear all the time when people hear that someone's converted to Catholicism, they'll say the following statement. And the statement is this, why are you going to go to that church? There have so many rules. All right. Yeah, unpack yeah. that one. <laughs> well, bowling, bowling leagues. I just, I just, I just threw you a softball, but go ahead. Okay. Yeah. I mean, everything has rules and, uh, I don't, uh, I don't know what to say about that, except to say, it's the, I tried to say already about the whole Sermon on the Mount is that the Sermon on the Mount is not just a whole set of rules. That's not what it, that's not the point of it. The point of it is there's a picture of the transformed human person. When you're, when I'm living my life in you, this is what your life will look like. You'll be filling the law full. You'll be joyful. You'll be, you'll, you'll be keeping the commandments, not because you have to, but because you want to, you're enthusiastic. You love God. You love what God loves. You love who God loves. Why? Because I'm living my life in you. I love my father and I love everything he commands. And Psalm 119 says, Lord, how I love your law. It is ever in my heart. My soul is always my meditation. It goes on for like 175 verses, that Psalm. And it it's amazing the change that can come over us if we just accept this gift from the Lord of a new life. So I think that's how I would answer the rules question. By the way, back to the rabbi, I want to dispute his premise that um that priests are alone i'm definitely not alone right uh and i don't know about you father but i have a lot of women telling me what to do (laughs) (laughs) but but that said uh i i I do have a bride we're not bachelors father we're 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 married men we we have the church for our bride so I, i think that the premise of the question is also wrong i like the way father Arnie answered it too, but I would also dispute the premise of the of the man's question. You know, it's it's, it's not good for the man to be alone. How can you do this? We're not, not alone. alone. We're not alone. Good Lord. Well, that's- God, has, God has a sense of humor. Father, we gave up our own children and thousands of people call us father. We gave up yeah. uh, land and property and we had these huge assets we got to take care of, huge churches and buildings and patrimonies and no i mean god has a funny sense of humor he says i tell you no one who has given up these things land property family for my sake and that of the kingdom who will not receive a hundredfold back and many many um and many persecutions besides and a great inheritance in the kingdom of heaven so no uh, it's um it's it's a premise that i don't accept um but that said um maybe one other thought, thought because i know we're going to have to bring this to an end soon. The last line of this section we're looking at, I think, is also key. Verse 20. I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, um, what's what exceeding? What 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 are you, you know, what, how are you filling it full? What exceeding are you doing? Because they keep the law very precisely to a, to a precise thing. And um, you and, and I are, are called to go beyond the precise, but to go to the fullness of what the law is calling us to be. And that's what he means by, again, um, the, um, you know, our righteousness exceeding that of the 
scribes and the Pharisees. And uh, once again, it's that same word, plieion, plieion, meaning to unless it, you fill it full more than the Pharisees and scribes, you'll never enter the kingdom. And the ones that fulfilled it full in our Catholic theology were saints. Yes. Right. But I think also all of us at, at some level, <clears throat> you know, as we grow, are, are also doing that. We're going past the bare minimum, and we're you know, doing more than what the law requires. So, you know, again, I, I think that we've, we've talked this enough to death, but to say that, look, the law asks, what's the least I can do? The law is about bare minimums and requirements, whereas love is about what more can I do? It's extravagant. It wants to please the beloved. And that's what the Lord is calling us to be. Let, let my love be in your heart. And this is what your life will increasingly be like. You'll be filling the law full. You'll be excited, joyful, keeping the commandments, not because you have to, to a bare minimum, but because you want to. And you'll be filling it full. Right. And that love of God that's living inside of us will kind of go on auto, not autopilot, but we, through his grace, will cooperate with his grace and we'll be living the law um, mm. not by, by just our willpower, it just will just get us, it will be moving us forward. It's, I know this might be a, a stupid uh, analogy, and I apologize, but like during the um, Super Bowl, they had the uh, commercials that were trying to, you know, sue Tesla <laughs> because of, yeah. um, you know, I mean, I, and we were watching that together, and it just seemed like they were trying to, there's this cancel, cancel, um, um, uh, agenda for Tesla. But the nice thing about Tesla is if you were to do it correctly is you could program the car and it would just get to its destination um, and stay at the speed limit without even worrying about the speed limit. And um, in, in essence, would it be uh, correct to say that our Lord is kind of handing us a Tesla and he's just like, get behind the wheel, let me work in you and you're going to be able to drive to your destination uh, without breaking the breaking the speed limit uh, because I'll do I'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and I was I was also thinking about another commercial we were talking about. Oh well, but, but the point I think though is you're you're making is clear. But with the premise, namely that we all know that a GPS thing can only have a certain degree of perfection. It's exactly. not going to have a total perfection. I've been in a Tesla before, and it's constantly beeping. You got to take the wheel again because it doesn't know what to do here. Uh, and I think just drive the darn car at that point. But the point is though, I think um, God never fails. God is never, and he's a hundred percent, you know? And so I, I think your analogy does work if, but we have to realize that God isn't going to be like Tesla's little GPS thing. It's going it, to, which will make mistakes and sometimes run into things yeah. uh, that it thinks aren't there. So, uh, but that's not true with God. Yeah. So it's like, it's living in the Holy spirit, living in the graces of the Holy spirit where the Holy spirit begins to take over us. Uh, yeah. in, a, in a very positive way. And then we stop asking those questions, which we still do because we're human. Yeah. You know, I mean, like sometimes we have to tell ourselves, well, well, I do need to, I got to realize that this is a law and I need to keep it. And if I, and I'm not, I guess it's the perspective of why we're keeping the law. Yeah. The perspective changes. It's not like, oh, I have to do this. And we're begrudgingly saying things like, oh, I have to do this. I have to do that. And I, I, Oh, you know, I know the church teaches this and churches that. Not, yeah, I'll do it out of obedience, but it's more we're beginning, if God is beginning to transform our hearts and our minds, is we're just, yeah, I love God. It does, it's, it's a no-brainer. 
Right. You know, I mean, if someone's like truly in love with their spouse and they have a really tight relationship, um, it's like the idea of, um, you know, cheating on your spouse is like, well, why would I do that? Because I love my wife so much. And, you know, I mean, I know the rule is, it's not I'm keeping it because of the rule. I'm keeping it because I love my wife. Yeah. And, and likewise, we begin to live the commandments if it's being fulfilled in us little by little um, because we love God. Yeah, and maybe one final observation to make is, in a way, is you've heard the expression that law is for the weak. Right. You know, that it, it has to be there to set a bare minimum. But ideally, people who love don't even need a law. For example, does a man who really love his wife need a law that says, well, don't break her arm? <laughs> right. I mean, he doesn't really need that. Right. I mean, if you're, if you're that dumb, okay, there it is. But, I mean, the point is that, uh, a lover is not only not breaking her arm, he's cherishing her and making sure that she's protected. Right, right. Uh, it's what going is, way beyond. Yeah. So here's a question in this particular uh, gospel, which I've, I've um, pondered, where our Lord says, whoever um, breaks the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Can you shed mm-hmm. some light on that one? Yeah. I think that, um, <clears throat> uh, let me just get to the verse here. Yeah. So the, um, um, yeah, th- this word, you know, you know, is, is, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I suppose it's probably least is probably the best way to translate it. Uh, but is, 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 a whoever teaches others to break even, even the smallest part of these things will be called least. It's more than just like least. It's more like, you're a moral midget. You're you're not up. You're not up to the test. You don't measure up. You're you're failing to measure up. You see what I'm saying? It isn't just like well, like you know, you know, be the last in the line. It's more in the sense of uh, you you not you don't measure up. You can't you can't fulfill the requirement that way. You know, and um, so um, very little, very small would be not just the littlest, but the very smallest. <laughs> like hey, I know a few things, dude. And you say, right. yeah, you do know a very few things. It's kind of a play on words like that. Right. Whoever, whoever, whoever uh, teaches, uh, whoever violates one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least. Right. You so, see? so that's like, it's like a word play where you're saying, look, um, a, a teenager will come and say, hey, I know a few things. And you say, that's right. You do know a few things, a very few things. <laughs> If, does it make sense? It's a wordplay. Right. I think what some people say is, well, maybe then they won't go to hell. I said, no, look, if people teach people, like certain priests running around teaching people that certain sins are okay that aren't okay, that's got, that guy's going to have a hard time avoiding hell. He's not just going to be least in the kingdom. <laughs> he's going to be, he's going to have a hard time avoiding hell. All right. right. I'm just going to say it plain. Right. So this, this is, this is a great point too, because if, if, um, and I was using this, um, this yesterday a little bit in the meditation uh, here for the folks about, you know, if a priest teaches heterodoxy, in other words, and permits people to sin and teaches them to do so, uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's a serious, uh, that's our Lord. He's not following Christ. No. And, and, and in other words, he's not permitting, um, the person to actually, uh, become what God wants them to become, you yeah. know? And I think right. like there's this, I think the, one of the battles, uh, in the the church not the official church but sort of theologians and things like this and and this has always been the case in the church history which baffles people is um 
how can a priest tell someone that it's okay to do something that God mm-hmm. says is not okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that priest or that parent mm-hmm. or that coach or that teacher um, will have to face God for not challenging the person to actually fulfill their full capacity because I think maybe the priest or the coach or the parent doesn't believe that it's possible and therefore say, well, how can I tell my child this if I didn't do it or whatever? And, Uh or it just seems the church's quote unquote law is just too restrictive. They're missing the point is that, well, on a, just on a human standpoint, of course it is. I mean, it is impossible, but we fail to we fail to realize, and you you say this all the time is we have a doctor in the house, right? And he's yeah. given us the medicine, which is his grace. And you will, if you take the adequate medicine, be able yeah. to fulfill God's plan for you, even if it's difficult. Otherwise, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know? Right. No, and that's what I mean. I'm playing, I'm kind of on this wordplay here that the Lord is saying. I mean, don't miss that it's a wordplay. And don't get, not only you, but I mean, someone might get too caught up on this word least. Well, it doesn't say like, why doesn't he say they'll go to hell? Well, it's a word play. So for example, if anyone thinks he's so giant that he's bigger than God and knows better than God, I'll tell you what, he is a giant, a giant loser. Uh, That's the idea. It's a word play. And so it it doesn't undermine the, that this is so serious that someone would teach someone to, to act contrary to even the smallest commandments of god they're 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 going to be in you know in big trouble and uh that's the kind of stuff that lands people in hell jesus says that anyone misleads one of my little ones and it's not just little children he's talking about we're all his children anyone misleads any one of my little children better for that man that he was never born that he was thrown into a uh into the sea with a millstone around his neck you see that was in the sound of freedom that was that was a chilling scene you know, oh like yeah. When uh, Jim Pisa looks across the table, right? <laughs> the right. guy's eyes like go wide open. Like, wait a minute, are you joking? He's like, no, I'm not joking. Neither is God. <laughs> right, right, right. But I think so, wordplay. But don't miss that it, as a wordplay. Don't take it literally. That they'll just be least. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, yeah, and, and I, that's a great. Thanks for explaining that because I mean, many people would point to that our, our Lord has certainly used. A lot harsher language, including to, uh, yeah. you know, obviously Peter. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I I think it that was always a head scratcher. Not not saying that being the least at anything is not bad, but it certainly doesn't. Uh, it seems understated. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's it's, a, it's only a, it seems understated because we're taking it literally and not seeing it for the wordplay right. that it is. Yeah. So uh, one last question, Monsignor. Um, mm-hmm. the Lord uh, tends to really rail on the Pharisees a lot in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. And he just seems like I've never seen, when you read the scriptures, anytime the Pharisees open their mouth, the Lord just gets like, just sort of like, Oh, here we go. You know, you brood of vipers. What is it about the Pharisees mm-hmm. that just drives Jesus nuts? And I, sorry for using this. I mean, obviously yeah. not in a human sense, but like in his hum- human nature where he just is mm-hmm. like, all right, let me put you back in your place. What's yeah. at the heart of the message of Christ? The heart of it, yeah. The heart of it is, that, I think, maybe to quote Jesus himself, they strain out gnats and they swallow, they strain out gnats and they swallow camels. Uh, that is to say, they, they all obsess over little things. They, max, they major in all the minors. 
they uh, they maximize the minimum and minimize the maximum. So they get it all backwards. They're they're all into the little things, but they're missing the bigger things. Like he says, for example, you tithe mint and doom, cumin and dill, and but you would neglect weightier matters of the law, like justice and mercy and so on. And he says these things you should have done without neglecting the other things. He's not against the fact that they're they're observant of certain laws, but that they they're very selective and picayune, and they strain out gnats and swallow camels. And I think that's that's at the heart of his debate with them. By the way, of all the people who were foes of Jesus, he had mo- the most in common with the Pharisees. Mm. I mean, they, he, you know, for example, the Sadducees, the, the, the only the first five books of the Bible counted. They didn't believe in an afterlife. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't they didn't accept the prophets, whereas the Pharisees did all of that. Mm. And Jesus agreed with them on these matters. And that's why I think the, the struggle is as fierce as it is. It's kind of internecine. You know, sometimes it's the people that we're closest with that we fight the most fiercely with. Oh. You're so close, man. So close. You know, but you won't come the whole way, you see. And that's where I think the frustrations of Jesus are evident with them, not because he completely discredited everything they believed, quite the opposite. They were so close to the kingdom. But there was just this incessant uh, notion that to strain out the gnats and swallow the camels, to major in all the miners, and uh, to get lost in them. Right. And I think that's really, you just hit the heart of the matter because um, what I've realized too in, in talking to people these couple of days and also with the witness talks that were super powerful, and we'll talk about that later, me and you over lunch or something. But one of the things, one of the women witnessed to the fact that, you know, she wanted to give up this particular uh, sin or whatever that was breaking up her marriage. But she's, I, I, and I paraphrase what she said, but she said that she just kept blocking God's love like receiving his love to do it. And it's like, she thought I can't do this, but the Lord's like, no, 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 but I can do this for you. Like Mm -hmm. if you just surrender this, I can make this happen. And then when she finally had that breakthrough with the love Mm -hmm. of God, it was like, it's a no brainer. It's it's a no brainer. And then there was a complete freedom that this person experienced um, from surrendering to the love of God and the grace that he wanted to give her by saying, okay, give me this part of your heart that you're holding on to and, and I'll, I'll set you free, you know? Mm. And so, and I, and so one final thing, what's the good news in this statement? What's the good news on, you mm-hmm. know, this fulfillment of the law? Because, you know, I'm, and sometimes I think even when we talk, it sounds like bad news, but what's the good news that every, the listeners need to hear that <laughs> with the fulfillment of the law and like, yeah, in like two sentences or so. Yeah. The fulfillment of the law is the good news is that, when I'm living my life in you, you're not going to be all picky and uptight about the littlest little things. You're going to uh, you're going to be fulfilling the law. You'll be living in it to its beyond what it technically requires, and uh, you'll you'll be a joyful Christian. You'll joyfully keep the commandments you, because you want to, right. not because you have to. And that's a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful place to be. I'm excited about living chastely. I'm excited about being a celibate man. I'm excited about being a priest. You know, instead of like, oh, I'll do it if I have to, you know. That's a miserable life, but the the joyful life is, you know, the Lord has said, my gosh, you know, um, like, for example, you and me are priests, and I mean, if we're really clear that we made a vow for the rest of our life, that's freeing. It's not limiting. I mean, it doesn't even occur to me that I'd leave the priesthood. What? Why? I mean, that's just crazy talk. 
And likewise, when, when couples are married and they, they make, they're really serious about the vow they make, there's going to be ups and downs. But at the end of the day, the thought of divorce just isn't even there. That's freeing. It's not limiting because now they know that whatever the answer is, is going to be inside the marriage, not out of it. That's a beautiful, joyful place to be rather than like, well, maybe I need to divorce and try all over again with somebody else. You don't have to agonize over that. That's clearly not what God wants. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. The good news is you actually will not just, I think I paraphrase you, is that you won't just love your, your spouse. You'll actually like them or her. Yeah. <laughs> like God doesn't just love you. Yeah. He kind of likes you too. He even likes you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. All right, Monsignor. Well, we're, we're, uh, time's up for this particular, I mean, it was a short gospel, so, a uh, shorter, mm-hmm. shorter podcast. And maybe that's a grace for everyone listening. They're, you know, thinking, okay, that's enough of that. But, um, but yeah, folks, we're going to continue going through the sermon now. So maybe something to bring to prayer is this, is where do I look at God's law as limiting me as a per, as opposed to setting me free? Yeah. And like, where are like areas of, oh, the church's teachings, you know, look at it from another perspective. Is that, you really could live an incredibly powerful life if you just give it over to God and say, all right, whatever this rule is, it's not for my demise or for my agony or for my um, being sort of restricted on this earth. It's really to make me happy on earth and and hopefully happy forever in heaven. Yes, Lord. Amen. Yeah. All right. So, Monsignor, if we could please get your blessing and appreciate your time today. And, folks, uh, please pray, yeah. pray if you're listening to this to, uh, for the mission and next week mission for Monsignor's Lent. You know, this is for priests. This is um, tough times. <laughs> but we're mm-hmm. not, we're not yeah. resentful. We're going to try to fulfill the law cheerfully, right? And get, yes, get to, and get to, you know, I love when we get to Easter, you say Christ is risen, the priest is dead, but um, <laughs> Christ came out of the tomb and the pre- and the priest crawled back in. <laughs> says, you take over, you Rosa, you take over. I'm going to bed for a while. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. But listen, you know, also, yeah, pray for our 40 hours devotion too. That'll be on March uh, 6th, uh, 7th, 8th and 9th. So just right. encourage you to know about that. We'll be sending some information out about that too. Yeah. So folks, yeah, please take that into consideration. Um, you know, we've got Monsignor Pope at, at uh, Holy Comfort St. Cyprian, Southeast DC. Um, beautiful church. The Eucharist will be on the altar for 40 straight hours. Uh, mm. it sounds like a huge sacrifice, but what a sacrifice of love to spend one hour with our Lord. And I guarantee if you make that sacrifice, you're going to go back home. Uh, definitely, uh, feeling better about your present situation. So, all right. Amen. Let's pray. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your law, which is for those of us who love you is not a prison walls, but our defending walls. Um, they keep the enemy out and inside the, there's no safer place, Lord, in the whole world than inside your law. Uh, so we ask you, Lord, to help us to, to love you and to love our neighbor. And we do ask now a rich blessing. May almighty God bless you all, the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen.